Welcome back, book nerds, to today's episode of the podcast. I will be speaking with Kelsey Bowling, writer and director of The Fourth Wall, which is being showcased at the 2020 Holly Shorts Film Festival. Chloe is a serious actress who spent her life on the stages of Paris. The result? She has been chipped down into a product of the scrutiny and unfair politics that infest the entertainment industry. Doomed to star in one last performance of Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream, Chloe fights for her moment in the spotlight amongst the self-serving newcomers with whom she is forced to share the stage with. How far will she go to be the star of the show? Without any further delay, let's jump into the podcast. Hi there, book nerds. Welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Joining us today to talk about their short film, The Fourth Wall, we have Kelsey Bolig. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. Now, for our audience that may not know you or your work, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I am a writer-director. Currently, I'm based out of LA. Um, And my most recent works are a film, Asking for a Friend, which is a short film that's now you can watch it on Alter. And right now, The Fourth Wall, which is out in the festival circuit. So can you tell us a little bit about what The Fourth Wall is? Yeah, so The Fourth Wall is a 12-minute short film that kind of like came together out of a variety of reasons. Um, Basically, um, we showed my last film in Paris and a producer in Paris was like, I want to bring you out here to make a horror film. Here are, here are, like, you have to film in a theater. It has to be in French. Um, Do you want to do it? And I was like, hell no, this sounds horrible. No, I, um, I, of course, jumped on the opportunity and (laughs) wrote a script that kind of was what I was going through at the time. Um, in the in the directing world, but I just kind of put it on an actress. It's, it's about an actress in Paris that kind of um, has her whole career crumbling right before you on the screen during um, a performance of a Midsummer Night's Dream. So she's like on a on a in a performance, and the whole film is kind of one shot, um, kind of watching her go insane and dealing with different personalities uh, that are in the play, and also just like crew members. Um, and then it, we have a gruesome ending, like always. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. And you mentioned it's inspired by like some of what was going on in your life. Do you want to like dive into that a little bit? If or not, it's totally up to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally. I mean, basically, I jumped into directing in LA, and I met the. I mean, the most wonderful, wonderful people you know, alongside the craziest personalities that I literally, that, I mean, it was maddening um, how these people were kind of like failing upwards um, by not doing anything particularly creative or having any kind of like talent, but more so just like sleeping the way to the top or um, just knowing the right people. That seems to be the name of the game, especially in LA. And at the time I, I, I was just kind of like frustrated with these personalities, but I also was making fun of them enough to want to kind of like poke fun of them in in the film. And so that's kind of the idea of all of the like sub characters um, that surround our main character. All of these people are people that I have met, I have been friends with, I have gone to dinner with, I've done all the things with um, that, you know, that thankfully are not in my life anymore, but, 
definitely like in there I will always use that as inspiration LA is too like big not to make fun of especially because it brings everybody here um and and the film is far enough removed because we we shoot it in Paris it's in French it's it's dealing with the entertainment industry while still kind of like allowing and allowing the audience to kind of go along for the ride without comparing it so closely um to LA because I think that can be a little bit polarizing for a lot of people that don't know what goes on um in this city so yeah like that was kind of the inspiration behind like each you know the smaller villains as as I can say um in the in the movie no definitely and I think what's works really well is that it can transfer or translate into other industries as well like it doesn't just have to be um, film or theater it can be just like anywhere Oh, 100%. I think each industry has its own like demented politics that we kind of have to play into a little bit if we want to get ahead. And um, and humor is the best way through, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, you just have to laugh your way through some things. Like, it's just the only way you can cope. <laughs> you like really. Oh, my God. Yeah. And especially when it comes to horror, too. I mean, <laughs> this film is a horror film at its core and I really am proud of the people who pick up on the humor because I think it's just so subtle it can go over a lot of people's heads and um everyone kind of gets it I mean I I was really proud we're in Holly shorts and they put us in the in the after dark comedy block and I was like hell yeah someone knows this is a comedy like <laughs> um and yeah that that's kind of how as a filmmaker I approach everything um I want like a lot of darkness a sprinkle of lightness and um, that's also like how I approach life. And I think it's a good balance for, especially for this year. <laughs> especially today. Oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like daily, I'm really happy I, I'm talking to you today because it's at least a little distraction from what's going on today. So it's just, thank you for being here to talk to me. Oh my God. Oh, thank you for talking to me. I'm like, <laughs> circling my apartment on CNN like oh shit oh shit <laughs> yeah no definitely <laughs> what's your favorite aspect about creating short films um I mean I like making films in general I think short films are a really great way to kind of flush out ideas and kind of play before you hit a feature um because there's just a lot less at stake and you can really like figure out as a creative and like as a director what you what style you want to want like really lean into and I think like a lot of people figure this out in film school and my film school experience was very much me rebelling against everything my film school was about at the time because it was very like and I appreciated it it was like very um experimental and if you made a narrative film you were like looked down upon which I thought was interesting um so when I got out of film school I started making shorts just to kind of figure out what I was and I think that's I mean that's what short films are all about they're like either proof of concept when you want to pitch a show or, or a feature um and they're a great way to kind of like show what you're made of and and also just like to play and, and for me specifically I like I just wanted to play <laughs> I just wanted to like like do some crazy things without too many cooks in the kitchen um before things get crazy because with features there's so much at stake it feels like and um 
there's a lot of people involved, a lot of money involved usually. And you want to go in kind of knowing who you are as a filmmaker. Uh, so that's, I think, like why I was drawn to shorts at first so much, because I just, I needed to find that part of myself before I moved forward. No, definitely. I'm also, I'm also in film school. This is my last year. Um, and every time they bring up like budgets, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> like we're all broke college students. What do you want? From <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. Like in my film school didn't pay for any of the equipment. So if you, you really were at the mercy of like how many student loans you have or like what your parents could contribute or like your after school like side job. And for me, it's like, I, I was I was at the mercy, I got a couple of grants and I was so angry at the money side of things that I don't think that I did the ideas and film the things I really wanted to film because I was just stuck on this idea that like we weren't being helped. Um, and when you come out of, film school I mean I guess it doesn't get any better I guess no definitely I feel like I've just been like wandering around not really knowing what's going on but just going with the flow honestly and I see my friends stress out sometimes and I'm just like just go with the flow like we really can't plan anything so it's just might as well enjoy what we're doing right now and where are you going Nicole I'm at Cal Oh, okay cool I have a lot of friends that went there actually yeah, so I'm there. Um, I'm finishing next spring. Exciting, but also scary. As I mean, you know, <laughs> um, well, the real the real world is fun. I promise, especially yeah. like someone who wants to be in the entertainment industry. It, I mean, you're gonna. It's. I don't think you can truly go to school and prepare yourself for the politics behind the like whole film industry. But um, don't be don't be scared. It's so fun. Uh, no definitely (laughs) um but going back to the film (laughs) what we're here for (laughs) is there a moment in the film that really stands out to you I don't know I'm like really I'm stoked about the whole thing it's hard I think like I'm most proud of the scene where she's um Lizzie Brochet's character, Chloe, is in the uh, uh, dressing room and she's yelling at everybody. Everyone's in the dressing room together because we were that, I mean, that was like an impossible scene for the style that I was trying to push was like this one shot thing. And there were three mirrors in this room and we had a steady cam, we had an Alexa LF, we had like six people and and how do we move and pan and like, do the choreography so that we're not seeing the camera in the mirror. We have space um, to shoot the scene and, and it feels dynamic and like not stiff at the same time. Like, like I wanted the characters to move in the room, not just the camera. And I wanted the camera to move with them and have like this kind of kinetic energy that's kind of like pushing these characters forward throughout the whole film. Um, and like, I, we, I mean, my DP and I, uh, Ludovica Isidori, who's like so phenomenal, I love her de- to death. We just kind of like sat in that room together and looked at all of these fucking mirrors that were like giving us nightmares. Um, <laughs> and we're like, how are we going to film this? And then, like, when we finally figured out choreography that worked and we had our sound people like rolling, literally rolling on the floor to like get out of the actor's way and everyone's moving, I mean, 
filming that scene felt like movie making like that it felt like we were making a movie like it was supposed to be complicated we were pulling off this like incredible um scene both like emotionally from our actors but our crew is just like acrobats <laughs> like they were doing all the things and it was it was a really tough scene to actually pull off like technically and it looks so good in the film and we ended up taking a shot from or like each line is from a different take um and we made it look like one shot we like edited it so that each whip pan was a cut but it looks like you know yeah. one long take and I, I'm so I'm proud of it I'm proud of that scene and it yeah. stands out to me because like I know how hard it was to accomplish you have the the movie magic um side to it where you know everything was chaotic but on screen it's like oh this is smooth right and it right. it really does show in the in the final product I was just like that's so good <laughs> like, <laughs> now that you point out the mirrors I was like no yeah no like no kidding how did they manage to pull that off with all the mirrors and uh. it was tough it was it was tough but I conquering that scene I feel like the rest of the film was so it was so easy um because like we tried to find a theater in Paris that has a, had a big enough uh dressing rooms in the back that we could film a little bit more freely and not have that issue but in Paris I mean that's not a thing that is, does not exist like the the dressing rooms you know they built these buildings like hundreds of years ago and the, like my living room is bigger than <laughs> their dressing rooms <laughs> it's just like part of the architecture so we we had to work with it but I mean I I yeah to me it's funny because like that scene I think to anyone watching um isn't the most like exciting I think there are a lot of different scenes in the film that people can point to and be like this is when my heart started like dancing to the music um, that's not one of them, but weirdly enough, those scenes where things like we're dancing and we're flowing are were the easiest because like most of the time we're just walking down a hallway. I actually really enjoyed the 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 hallway scenes. I don't know why. I, maybe the architecture, but your lighting as well. It's just like wow, like how they do this, or <laughs> you know, like the like how long did it take you to find that theater? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so long. I think my poor, um, my EP, who is also like the location, she just like was like, I'm going to location scout. Um, she looked, because I don't live in Paris, obviously. Um, <laughs> she basically narrowed it down to three or four theaters so that when I came to Paris I could location scout with her and like take a look at all these theaters but it took her probably like two months to even get that list because everywhere was just like too small um and we wanted something that felt grand but like that also we could afford just it was tricky it was like a tricky situation and I, and I saw the hallway at this theater and I thought you know what like we'll make it work. This is beautiful. I mean, it was stunning. And it was a really famous theater that for some reason we could afford it. They were like really nice and um, gave us, they basically said, if you can get out of here every day by 5 PM, because they, it was a working theater, even when we weren't there, we completely redid that dressing room. I mean, it was like this 
ugly gray, um, gray and yellow, like peeling paint off the wall. Like it was not, <laughs> we completely <laughs> redid that. Um, and they let us kind of like fuck shit up. And then like, as long as we are out of there and let their actors come in at the end of the night, it was totally fine. I love that it worked out for you guys. And yeah, I was just like, that was one of my things while I was watching. I was like, how big is that theater, you know? Like just seeing them going back and forth. It's just like, how much space are they working with? Like, it's just something that you don't really think about unless you're you're there. Right. It's it's a weird it's a weird problem and I'm glad that we made it look easy I mean I guess that was the point I definitely like it was yeah it was a lot different um than like asking for a friend our issues also revolved around location because I feel like location is just so tricky it has to be it has to fit the script in such a way um especially when you're when you're dealing with the type of filmmaking that um that the the setting is like a character in itself you know it's, it's one thing when you two put two characters in a coffee shop and all you need is just a coffee shop yeah <laughs> but if you need like okay I need a two-level apartment complex with stairs on the outside that we can like do whatever in I mean that's hard it's definitely hard and, and do you have a cat I do she's speaking in <laughs> That cat was literally just licking my toe during that whole month. I was like, all right. <laughs> she she like she loves sitting right here next to my laptop. So if you just see her peek in, like, don't mind oh, her. That's so cute. That's so cute. <laughs> What's her name? Marie. Marie. I love it. I love it. Okay. Yes. But um yeah, space. <laughs> yeah. Tricky, tricky stuff. <laughs> no, definitely. And um, I mean, as you were saying, the theater is that I can see how the theater is a character within itself in your film because I mean, it's just like, like I, I, I wouldn't say we can kind of like work as the antagonist if you like the more I think about it. Yeah. Because yeah. this poor actress, like she's, she's in this um location and she's, she's just going crazy mm -hmm. so. yeah and the whole premise of like what that backstage was in my head was like the inner workings of her mind so like when you're backstage you're in her psyche but when you're on stage you're in like what she's presenting to the world it's like her her sun sign her moon sign and her yeah. <laughs> overarching <laughs> sign um and so like, I, I needed there to be some sense of like a web or just like, like something that felt like an inner working of hallways um, that was back there. And we dealt with one hallway, but the way that we like moved the camera, it felt like she was constantly like swerving and doing all of these things. And, um, but man, yeah, I mean, I, I learned a lot on that shoot just about space and like, I mean, oh yes, hello. See now mine <laughs> They called each other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like guarding my laptop. It's very much balancing on a chair arm right now. Um but yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's it's like you you don't really think about this kind of stuff 
Uh, at least I didn't. Like when I was in film school, I was all about like, I was all about plot and character driven stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really focused on that. And it was all about the performance. It was all about like, you know, person A, person B, like someone's dad died and like, you know, how, how to get that emotion out of them. And that was, that was what I, those were the kind of films I wanted to make. And then I don't know what happened <laughs> when I graduated, all of a sudden I was like, I want to dance. I just, <laughs> I just want to dance. I want to make the audience dance. I want to have movement. And, you know, if we can have a great story and I think you need to start with a great story, but, um, I think a lot of films are there because they are technically beautiful and then a lot of films exist because they're like plot and story driven and they're both great and it's great mm-hmm. when you have both um but yeah like with with the fourth wall I think this was like a technical adventure <laughs> and I think that's one of like the best things about the industry too is just like there's just so much to do you don't even know where to start and you're just able to like explore all of it exactly. so I'm really like, I'm really glad you're able to, like, figure out all of that technical stuff because now you have more experience for your next project. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and yeah, no, it's funny. I, I didn't even, what, yeah. I <laughs> I wanted to be a cinematographer, which is the funniest part about all of this, and completely dropped that dream when I actually came out here. Um and I wanted to be a writer and a director all of a sudden because everybody in LA wants to be a writer and director. Um, but there's like a lot of, there's a lot of uh, people I think that get confused when you're still learning um, who, who has the power um, in the industry and, and how certain stories get told. And it, it really does start with a writer and then it like goes to director and DP is like very, very important editor, just as important. But I realized that I wanted to tell certain stories and I wanted so much control over them. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going after, going to the top. <laughs> going to the gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. Because if you, if no one's going to do it, you just have to do it, do it yourself. So exactly. I mean, kudos to you for going after directing because I mean, I thought about it, but I don't know if I ever would. <laughs> Oh, you have to. You really do. And I'll tell you why. Because I think there needs to be, and this is, every director feels that way. Every director is like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Am I good enough? Should I be here? But if you get past that, you realize, like, absolutely. Like, your story is your story. No one else can tell it like you can. Like, there's so much room in this world for your voice. And it needs to be shared. Um and that's why everyone's like, you know, especially, especially women, I think have this idea that like, there's this whole, I, I can't remember where I read this. So I'm just like making, I'm, I'm pulling from, um, I'm pulling from like something I read, I don't know how long ago, but basically the, between men and women, men apply for jobs that they think, oh, I can do that. I can learn to do this. And women apply for jobs where um, we think, do I have the skill set right now to do this? Like we're mm-hmm. looking for things that we're already prepared to do, whereas men lean towards things that they know they have the potential to do. And I think where women get lost is like this idea where we're not striving for big things because we 
we don't feel prepared enough to do them and like no one does no one does we need to get rid of that world. <laughs> no you're so right like right now that you're saying I was just like you're right I, I do do that <laughs> and I need to stop and it just needs to stop <laughs> it it does like I I when I read that, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going, I applied for jobs that I should never apply for in my life. Like I, I was like <laughs> VP of production at Warner Brothers. That's me. That's what I should be doing. Right out of college. Absolutely not. I was delusional. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like I think the pendulum had to swing so far the other way to like balance out. Um but I do think like women, that is why there's like a lack of female directors because they, they're still in training mode, like their whole career. And, you know, they're convinced they don't have the skill set or whatever, but I mean, screw that. Like you do, you know, the thing is no one can tell this story the way you can, whatever story it is, whether it's somebody else's script, your own script. I mean, you are such a, like, you are a unique person. You are your own person, individual. And people will, they invest in your eye. Like they invest in the way you want to tell a story. And, and at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's not being like the best in the, I don't think there's a the best director. I don't believe in that. I think mm-hmm. like there's just different flavors. You know, we're all different flavors and whatever flavor you want to lean into. I mean, so definitely be a director. <laughs> okay. I will. You'll see me in the future. <laughs> Good. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be watching. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, I definitely agree. We do need a lot more women in charge. I think even in my class, um, I'm in a production class where we're doing short films. There's only one woman director, like out of the whole class, and I think just because a lot of us are just like, I don't know, like I don't, I don't know if I'm, I want to direct this, but. I mean, kudos to her for taking the initiative. Um, but yeah, we just need more. We need more women, as um, Saoirse Ronan goes in. Little women. Women. <laughs> yeah. Oh, women. We do. It's a scary thing. It can be scary. But um, no one is, exists in this world with a lack of fear, unless you're a psychopath. Um, <laughs> like, great. Cool. <laughs> Good for you. Cool, man. <laughs> But like, I think fear can work to your advantage in so many different ways. I mean, I'm scared all the time. I mean, the moment I got my first feature, I was like, oh no, oh no. (laughs) I have literally like tricked myself into like thinking I can do this. And I tricked everyone else into thinking I can do this. And then I like slapped myself with some water and um, remember who, you know, remember why people are attracted to your work or attracted to what you're bringing to the table. There's a reason. I mean, like you have to give other people credit for what they're seeing as well. And um, be honest to the script, be honest to yourself and like try to do what's best for the film. And like, I think men and women can equally do that. You know, it's, it's, you just have to have confidence. (laughs) And that's the key. (laughs) That is the key. It's hard, but, and it's a hard thing to like, to master and I think we're all working on it every day but you gotta just you know go for it <laughs> no definitely um I love how we keep sidetracking it's just I know I, just, like, I think so I've been watching TED Talks like all morning <laughs> like, but I love it oh my goodness I want to do this I wanna... <laughs> 
No, but it's a good thing because you, our listeners, they might need to hear it as well. So thank you for, you know, going on your little TED talk for us. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any time. <laughs> How long did it take you to complete the film from pre-production to post-production? That's a, that's a, so without taking time in the middle, because there was like a there was like a four month gap between when I wrote the script and when we actually filmed it, um, I would say so. It took me like I want to say a week to write the script. I, I write shorts pretty quickly, um, especially when I already have like a preset of rules. Like here's where it has to be, um, and then we had ten days of filming that included five days of rehearsal and five days of actual filming, and then we took a break for the holidays before we went into editing um, and took us two months to edit. And that was because we, the, the film was too normal for my taste. So I circled the neighborhood probably like every day being like, how do I make this weirder? But um, yeah, I think it could have, I mean, all together, I would say it took around like three months. If you, if you don't count like the breaks we took in the middle. Yeah, it's not bad at all actually. Um, yeah, right. Like, okay, so my, at Cal State LA, we're in semesters, so, like, the class I'm taking right now, we're supposed to do pre-production and production this semester and do post-production next semester, but with all of this going on, um, and remote filming, we had to, like, kind of come up with our own stories and our own scripts, so we're, like, actually still in the pre-production process, and we're just gonna have to squeeze everything in next semester, so um, I'll definitely have to keep you updated on how that goes. Oh, yeah, please do. You know, it's <laughs> like, my film school did the same exact thing to us, and we didn't even have COVID. It's a time crunch. It's good for you. Great. Yeah. <laughs> how would, how do you feel about filming remotely have you done anything over quarantine or yeah just taking a break I actually man I I walked away from something I probably shouldn't have but I felt I was like really worried about COVID at one point um and like I I I went through the whole like you need a COVID um oh my god I'm like a I don't know, a COVID person. I'm like, I'm, I'm forgetting the correct term, but. The specialist. Know, yeah, like someone, <laughs> and we all need to take this course on it, especially like, so I was producing it and directing and writing. Um, and I took the course, we were all set. We had like the budget, we had everything. And then um, the production company, we were doing it with Fox and they were like, it was going to be a short film for Halloween. And they wanted to give us like they gave us like this really small time frame to pull this off and and with COVID I was just like I can't I I need to like give my mental health some love <laughs> because um I don't want to be anxious and put my life as well as a bunch of other people's lives at risk to kind of like get a film done that ultimately isn't you know we're not saving the world we're making a small horror film <laughs> it, can, um, it can be done next year it's okay yeah, yeah but like you know I think I do regret it a little bit because I mm -hmm. see I saw all the people who did get this done because there's like a couple of us that were uh, picked to do this project and their films are great and um 
they, you know, they did it safely. And I, and as far as I know, no one got sick. And I think there is a way to film right now in quarantine very safely. I mean, obviously we're figuring out how to do it. Um, I, I, I would just rather not do it with no insurance or like no budget. I think that's why a lot of indie films are having a hard time getting off the ground right now. It's just cause like insurance is so expensive. Um, it's just hard to protect people, but there's also so many cool things coming out like the host on Shudder. They filmed it on Zoom. I thought that was fucking awesome. It was really well done, super dynamic. So I think it's causing, it's forcing people to be creative. And I love that. I personally have been writing up a storm and my agents were going out with, um, we're going out with two features now. It was just going to be one. And then, I, you know, put me in quarantine. Something will happen. I will write something. Um, so I, for that reason, I think a lot of good creatively is coming out of this time. And, and especially for filmmakers who are able to do things safely. No, definitely. I think because a lot of uncertainty too with the theaters being closed and, you know, the big pictures being pushed back more and more. It's kind of like sometimes you're just like, well, what's going to happen? But at the same time, it's like, well, if you're creating at least something, you don't necessarily have to film. But if you're like thinking up ideas, stories, everything, I think there's a lot of potential for the future films. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's funny. I. I'm using writing right now as kind of like an escape route out of like this world. And, and it's, it's bringing me life again to kind of imagine, okay, like I'm going to shoot something next year. Here we are in pre-production. I have, you know, people's ears right now when otherwise I probably wouldn't have because no one's shooting. I mean, there are definitely people shooting, but like a lot like all of the creative execs that normally would be busy were here and they were ready to listen and it's really actually done a lot of good for I think not only myself but a lot of other filmmakers so there's there's things happening behind the scenes right now Hollywood is not dead <laughs> yeah I think that's like one of those just like what's gonna happen but it's like no I think we'll be okay in the end <laughs> oh yeah um, panicking we're designed to panic <laughs> yeah honestly like I think it's just a entertainment thing <laughs> absolutely oh I had the question at the tip of my tongue um oh I have it okay how do you <laughs> feel about studios making like tv shows or films about COVID like the, I forgot the trailer that just dropped I forgot with who was it Michael Bay <laughs> the like there's Is a trailer there? Yeah, there's a film coming out. I forgot who directed it, but it's like we're four years in quarantine and like the world is ending and it's just like this thriller thing. Yeah, I'm not about it. Oh, wait, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, actually. The one with Sophia Carson and KJ Apa. Oh, no, not it. Not no. I, so the one I'm thinking of is Gerard Butler and oh, okay. it's, like, it's called Iceland. <laughs> it's called, but, um, no, I am not about that. I'm not going to watch it. I I respect <laughs> that it was made amazing, but I don't need more anxiety. No. <laughs> like, definitely. I'm just like, why are you? I don't know. It's a, it's a Hollywood thing where it's just like, do we need this film? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting 
because when we all were forced into quarantine at first, I think the number one movie in America was Quarantine on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, is everyone losing their mind? I mean, yes, they were losing their minds, but I don't like if I don't know, if I have a burn on my foot, I'm not about to go like walk on hot pavement barefoot. Um, and that's what it felt like people were doing. They were just like really indulging in this like tragedy and you know, this like universal trauma that we're all like we're trauma bonding for sure. Mm-hmm. But um I don't know, I'm not about it. I'm an escapist. <laughs> no, I'm the same way, like don't don't give me that I want musicals I want to sing I want to dance I want to just like get lost in a different world and pretend nothing's happening exactly like put me in I don't even know I watched over, over Halloween I re-watched like all of the Halloween towns like this is what I'm about right now <laughs> yes and those are just so such good feel like they're feel-good movies or it's just like you can't help but enjoy them and yeah they're light and, they don't do anything yeah like you can come out alive (laughs) (laughs) um but to uh once again go back to (laughs) 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 what's it like writing and directing um I love it I don't know I to me it's like the thing that comes most naturally and it's only until this point in my career that I even considered directing somebody else's script. I will say it is easier directing someone else's script. Um, because I, I don't know. Writing is, is a fucking process. It's very vulnerable. <laughs> like you are a, you, it's a very vulnerable process because you are open to criticism because you have to be. Mm. And like no one's going to consider you a genius right off the bat. Like everything has to work for the setting, for the characters, like, you know, and every time you get a name on your film, that actor is going to come in or actress um, and, and want to change something because they are in the film and they want to do something. And, and Robbie Shanassi, I think is like a really good example. First of all, lovely guy. I absolutely adored working with him. I would work with him on anything. So funny, creative, and a great collaborator um but the original script had um the his character was supposed to wear this donkey head the entire film Mm -hmm. and obviously when you have like a young handsome actor like they're not going to want to do that (laughs) (laughs) they're like no this makes the money (laughs) yeah um so I did have to like you just keep having to kind of adjust things to match whatever like is best for the story as a whole and who's in it and when new elements arrive you just have to be extremely um you have to kind of be able to be yeah flexible and um so it's a writing is vulnerable it is a vulnerable thing it's weirdly more vulnerable than directing because a director can come in and blame things on the writer and like want a director's pass or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah like I, I don't know I love doing both I love I love directing my own stuff and I think um it's a lot it's hard it's definitely hard but it's easy because when you need a change you're on set to make the change right then and there um you don't need like the writer to sit you know somewhere um you just can do whatever you want because it's the whole thing is yours, which I love. 
Yeah, I was going to say, is it easier just like when you're filming and something needs to be changed, like you just have to check in with yourself, like, is this okay? And then you could just have to like be like, yep, we're going to switch it or no, we're going to leave it the same. Exactly. Is horror your favorite genre to work with? Yeah, so far. I think like eventually it will like action will work its way in there. Um but right now I'm really enjoying horror. I've always wanted to direct horror ever since I was a kid. Um this has always been like my genre. Mm-hmm. And I like working on horror films that don't present themselves as like your stereotypical house haunting or like teen scream or you know, there's a murderer in the in the kitchen downstairs and you like hear that you know all of that stuff is amazing I watch it and I watch it you know daily but you know I want to create things that don't feel like horror films until like the middle of the story and then all of a sudden things just like go crazy like just go crazy wrong (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and so I do think there's an element to that that you know might lead me into drama one day I'm not sure but Right now, I really like genre, and I love, like, the movement and the energy and, and the immediate, you know, visceral visceral response you get from an audience with horror, because you're in the, like, you're in it with them, and, and I remember screening asking for a friend for the first time, we were all sitting in the audience, and people were freaking out and, like, running out of the theater because it was just too graphic for them I was like like yes (laughs) I am the I am the female Eli Roth like (laughs) but it was such an immediate you know what you're getting response I also love the fact that horror is the only genre that you don't need like huge actors in to be successful because people will go see a horror film because it's a horror film they don't need names and most of the time Mm-hmm. you know you don't have them and I think horror makes you like a movie star out of a lot of a lot of young actors that are trying to break in like there's a reason why you go to horror <laughs> because um yeah I, I mean I think people become superstars through the, through the genre no I can definitely see that and I mean I can't believe people were running out because it was too graphic like I I watched Midsummer and I had to turn away turn away like that that's graphic for me um so like yours was okay I handled it I took it like a champ (laughs) but yeah there's just some yeah I get it sometimes it's just like some things you just can't watch you just have to like look away absolutely I mean Midsummer is hard too like I just rewatched it the other day and I know exactly what scenes bother me the most and Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's not about the gore it's just how the gore is used and Ari Aster uses it like he uses it so well. I mean, it's not just that this bear is being like mutilated. It's like this man is being put in the bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, and it's just like, how does that feel? Like you just have all these thoughts running and you're just like, no. <laughs> oh my, yeah, no, I'm not about it either. I'm, I, I freak out, <laughs> especially in 2020. I'm like, you know, ow. <laughs> my heart but yeah yeah the fourth wall I think that's also why I made it a little bit lighter in gore because I don't think it was needed given the content but um I wanted to use the gore 
in a very like humorous way um and and make it extremely like self-aware so i you know comparatively to asking for a friend it's like it's pg-13 yeah i would agree yeah and how what was it like filming the the eye gouging scene because i mean the practical practical effects were so well done i was just like how how (laughs) yeah i mean we were so our our fx team we actually had to fly in from germany because in in um in paris we had there was like the the neck the candlestick candlestick neck piece was actually made in la um and it was kind it was a certain type of like synthetic rubber that I guess a lot of FX team in Paris hadn't used before it was like an LA thing mm. and so we had, we had to fly in our team from uh Germany and they did an excellent job but they ended up having to make a mold for Robbie's eyes um like during pre-production so they made basically they molded the top of his head and made a fake like eyes we, they made like a eye gouging um oh my gosh prosthetic mm-hmm. and then we put grapes in the sockets and mm-hmm. had um we had taped tubes under lizzie's arms so that uh blood would come out of her thumbs when she pressed down um and then we had people behind the camera splattering blood all at the same time so we had blood coming from her fingertips from behind the camera and then the squishiness of the grapes um we kind of had it all working together but that's that's we got creative (laughs) we got yeah that's so interesting I love hearing about all that it's just you know the little things that it's just like you wouldn't even think of or you will you can't see on camera it's just it's all complicated and it's funny because you when you come up with the the idea you're like yeah we'll grab we'll couch his eyes out like this can't be that big of a deal but yeah there you need to do it safely so mm-hmm. we, technically we could have put grapes on his eyelids but lizzie was pressing down and we couldn't have that pressure on his face mm-hmm. um there's just too much room to kind of slip and, and actually injure him and what a you know that would be so sad so <laughs> that's kind of why we made the prosthetics but Robbie was so funny he was very much blind that whole day because he can't see out of the prosthetic like I had to walk around you know having people help him (laughs) he was a champ he was a champ yeah you guys did so well like (laughs) all around that was that was so good and another thing too was I know the nosebleed, the first nosebleed scene must must have been hard. Did it take you a few takes to get the perfect timing? Yeah. So yeah, we, we basically had a syringe of blood that we pushed up Lizzie's nose. And then Etienne, who was our Steadicam op, um, basically had to feel her. They had to feel each other. And she kind of had to act around when she felt the blood trickling down. And... God, yeah, we. I think that was like an eighteen take scene. Oh shoot! <laughs> yeah, no, it just was so complicated. There were so many different elements. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it was all done in like one take from you know the start to basically when she walks out of the frame onto the stage, um, it's 
yeah, it was a ridiculous, I mean, she was getting, we all were getting kind of like, oh my God, <laughs> like we might have to cut, we might have to cut this shot. And thankfully, I think like the shot we ended up using was like second to last and it's, you know, my favorite. I love it so much. Yeah. Good thing. <laughs> good thing you guys are able to get it because I too, like after, I mean, 20 takes, imagine like, like her poor nose. Her poor nose, like <laughs> performance. Robbie and Victoria had to like literally fake having sex for like 12 hours. <laughs> and so I don't know. I think everybody was just kind of like, all right, are we doing this again? <laughs> like just looking around the room, like oh, one more time. <laughs> yeah, it's just so technically challenging and, and exhausting for our actors. They were troopers though, and they were amazing. Yeah, their performances were great. I really enjoyed them. Um, do you have a favorite moment on set while you were filming? I or something that. funny? Something, oh God, I don't know. It's so funny. <laughs> I, there are a lot of like funny little things that, what's cool about Paris is, you know, you're working with French hours. And so naturally, you're not working like these crazy long days like you would in LA and people don't live to work they work to live there and it's very much like prominent in their culture so after every day of filming we would all go across the street to this bar and just like drink together and like really let loose and we were really like we were a family we were definitely a family and so much so that um what so Lizzie got sick she got like this horrible flu and that flu literally we all got sick on this shoot I mean no 24 hours of like violent puking (laughs) and and thankfully myself my editor who's also uh the DIT of the shoot um and one of our leads uh Jacqueline we all got sick last so like I thankfully I had to stay in, in Paris an extra day because I couldn't get on a plane. I was like, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like something kind of that was funny. And we all knew that we would be laughing about it later. But at the time it was kind of like this, oh God, like at the rap party, we all were looking at each other like, oh no. Like my, you know, my poor editor who did not stay in Paris an extra day, he went home and his, he was like, yep, I definitely got out of the car and just puked outside of the airport. And then like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. But like, I think being in Paris was like filming is like, a, I will shoot everything in Europe if I can. I think it's like, I love the culture and I love the work ethic. I love how seriously people take their jobs there. I mean, I, I think a lot of times in LA that you deal with a lot of people who are working on your film because it's a paycheck and that's totally understandable. I mean, I would, I do the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in Paris, it's like they are, every single film means so much to them. They take it so personally. And even the aftermath of the fourth wall, um, that whole team is like still cheering on the film in a lot of communication with myself and our VPs and all the actors. Um, whereas like, I think other films I've worked on, it just hasn't felt that, you know like a family um Mm -hmm. but this 
that so I guess like my favorite moment or mm-hmm. or whatever I mean it's every day every day every day of that shoot I loved okay I'm so glad I mean I'm so glad you had a lot of fun over there with your team and um I think I remember reading you kind of went in blind with your um crew you kind of just like yep yeah, let's go and you got to like get to know them over the shoot and I'm glad you I mean I'm not glad you guys got sick together but <laughs> but you guys got to like bond through sickness <laughs> oh yeah 100% and it is funny like you half the crew worked on Amelie like that was cool and it's just you know people were excited about working on a horror film so we've got randomly very very experienced and talented people to kind of like hop on board with this because they were just excited to work on a genre film um but it was cool to work with people who have worked on films that I like studied in film school I I was like yeah Amelie what's up like (laughs) a little starstruck moment oh yeah I was and like our FX people worked on like this film Raw that I love so much um so I mean we had everyone um yeah, it was, it was cool. Every day was cool. I wish I had a favorite moment, but like when I'm shooting, I usually like in a state of like fight or flight at all times. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it's like, this is going to sound bad, but I swear it's a good thing. I don't enjoy <laughs> like myself, <laughs> but, um, the rap party was fun. <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring filmmakers? Yeah, do it. Just do it. <laughs> just, <laughs> the words of Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> just, just do it. Like, oh my God. I knew why he was saying that too. I totally got it. I know people in front of him, but I'm like, yes. Um, my advice is do not, do not be entitled and think that like you're going to, you're going to like, there is some trick to getting ahead in a very quick way. Um, without putting in the work um I think a lot of a lot of like people they write a feature and you know hopefully I'm happy when someone's lucky enough to be able to to direct that feature I mean that's great but with nothing under your belt that's hard to do I mean it's just hard to do and it's rare and and I also see a lot of people like just trying to figure out you know, what is the avenue to go to being a filmmaker or director? And really there is none. Like, it's just make your own stuff, like make movies and call Mm -hmm. yourself a director. That's like step one. Don't be afraid to call yourself what you are. Mm -hmm. You're directing a film, you are a director. Um, And yeah, trust yourself. Like everyone's going to tell you you're wrong. They don't see it. It's hard to kind of translate your vision into words half the time. And I think it scares a lot of young directors out of actually like doing what they want to do. And they just kind of go with what people are used to doing, but that's not how like original content is made. Um, You want, just like trust yourself. Like you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I needed that. (laughs) I needed that. That was, that was a question for me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we, all, we all need, my uncle one time, we were in the backyard drinking and he turns to me and he goes, it's hard to explain something that's never been done before. And I was like, oh man, that hit me. 
that hit me because everything that we all want to do has never technically been done before. It's our own unique thing. And not everyone's going to be right there and sees everything that you see. Mm -hmm. Um, You're always going to have that issue, whether it be like in wardrobe or your scripts, you whatever, like, um, but just trust in yourself. Like don't, don't stray away from the vision. And definitely. Um, I remembered the question I was going to ask you. (laughs) Do you you speak French or like how did that work that you were able to um, intertwine both? So I I don't speak French. I wish I did. I'm learning. I would love to move to Paris. That is the plan. That is the goal. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, so I actually wrote the script in English. Mm -hmm. And we translated it together as like me and the crew or not the crew, the cast. And um, it was a super fun collaborative experience. Loved every moment. Dealing with the crew that doesn't speak French. I'm just glad, or doesn't speak English. My first AD spoke English. So things were able to get done. It weirdly wasn't that big of an issue. Um, The only thing that kind of could have been an issue was it was kind of hard for me to catch like stuttering um, when my actors w- would stutter because I, you know, some, I'm not used to listening to French. So our sound guy would often come up to me and be like, uh, did you hear that? Did you hear like this person stutter or whatever? And, and it was really helpful. So mm-hmm. it should have been a bigger deal than I think it was, but like it really, I mean, people were just working together so much and they knew my, they knew I didn't speak French and I, they, everyone had the same question. Like, what are you doing? Um, mm-hmm. and I said, look, I, we're just here to, to just like shake things up. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and people were on board by the end of it. No, I, I really liked it. I played it and I was like, oh, French. And I was like, oh, oh, but then, I mean, the subtitles were always a help because <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I don't speak French. Um, but I really liked how the protagonist was able to be like speak French and then like towards the end she's talking English and I was just like I love that yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that was really funny to me good I'm so glad you picked up on that (laughs) (laughs) and then also I mean the title is the fourth wall and you like essentially break it with the opening credits was that on purpose yeah yeah I think the credits were on purpose. Lizzie's looking, she looks into the camera several times. Um, That's on purpose. Also the idea of like the stage as a fourth wall. um, I think the biggest part of the title plays into the ending where like she is in her own world murdering people on stage. And then um, spoilers. Spoilers. then like you know you kind of lose this idea that people are watching and then all of a sudden this like very real like graphic moment becomes a performance and so that in was the ultimate like wall break at the end no definitely I was like they just watched her commit murder on stage and they're just like wow that's such good acting it's just like it's funny but it's also just like a little traumatizing because it's like I think it just pl- played well with the with the horror tropes, as you were saying earlier. Yeah, it, and I really wanted to like kind of poke fun at the fact that we sensationalize trauma in general in today's society, and everything already is a performance, whether it's like on the news murder or like you know in a movie murder. I mean, it's the same exact thing, and like we as 
an audience are getting like a kick out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's really disgusting in our society how we've become accustomed to cheering on like bad behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I definitely wanted to poke fun at that at the end. Oh, you definitely did a good job at that. Um, I don't know if I already mentioned it, but I really enjoyed the film and I will be watching again after. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you know all the things. Yeah, I will go back and, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But for our audience that is listening, oh, there goes my mic again. Oops. (laughs) Um, But for our audience that's listening in, where can they watch the film? So right now we're still in the festival circuit we have so many festivals coming up virtually that you can watch i think it's on it's if we have any new mexico or not new mexico oh my god wow mexico city listeners we're playing in morbido right now um we'll be playing in terror mullins on november 7th through a date that is yet to be given to me because they just canceled their in-person event um but on my website um there will be you know links to the tickets and dates and everything that you can go check it out um it's also going to be in holly shorts which i think is the next easiest way to direct people yeah (laughs) have you done like i mean holly shorts of course is going to be virtual but have you done other festivals virtually as well yeah we premiered virtually at fantasia it was very fun but obviously not as fun as in-person festivals i think we've been in 17 so far so i've i've tried to keep up with them it's really hard though because virtual is just like all over the place especially when your film is available for like four days at a time it doesn't really inspire people to like all show up at seven o'clock on a sunday or whatever Mm -hmm. um like to watch your film which is kind of a bummer some festivals have been doing it so it's in real time and there's a chat box on the side so that you can see people's reactions to the film which I love I love Horror Hound did that um New Orleans Horror Film Festival did that and I was such a fan um but yeah virtual festivals I'll never get used to it I'll never get used to it (laughs) yeah it's something different something new hopefully we never have to do it again (laughs) (laughs) but I mean at least we know how they run in case the time ever does come when we do need them again right right and for everyone to follow you on your next projects and just your daily adventures or anything where can we find you I am on Instagram and Twitter my handle is dreams defy logic or you can just search Kelsey Bull like I pop up either way I have a website, KelseyBullock.com, and I'm also on Facebook, Kelsey Bullock. (laughs) Love it. Easy. Just just Google her name, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, it pops up. It all pops up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here, Kelsey. I had so much fun talking to you. I'm wishing you all the success with The Fourth Wall. I think it was a great film, and I hope everyone gets the chance to watch it. Well, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time talking to Kelsey, and I hope you enjoyed listening in. Make sure to check out The Fourth Wall at the 2020 Holly Shorts Film Festival. That's all for now. Thank you for listening in. Take it home for us, Kelsey. Hey, everyone. This is Kelsey Bullock, writer-director of The Fourth Wall, and you are listening to GeneBookNerd.com. Bye.